Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One day she was doing the laundry. She had the basket. She was on the stairs and she felt a hand placed on her back, in the middle of her back, and then a shove. And she went down the stairs, like about three or four steps, like stumbled down the steps. She turned around and no one was there. You're listening to The Ghost Files, the podcast where everyday people share their extraordinary experiences of the spirit world. My name is Karina Machado. I'm a journalist who spent more than a decade telling stories about the spirit world. Through my books, Spirit Sisters, Where Spirits Dwell and Love Never Dies, as well as my podcasts, Spirit Sisters and The Ghost Files. I'm always so happy to read your feedback, so if you love The Ghost Files, please take a moment to rate and review the show. This month, we've heard from Julek, who loves hearing about people's supernatural stories and wants us to keep the stories coming. We certainly hope to do that. And thank you also to Tammy G, who has binged the entire backlist and says the show is helping her understand her own experiences. I'm so happy to hear that, Tammy. New listener Wirangu also wrote in to share how much they're enjoying the episodes, especially since, as a First Nations person, spirituality is very much part of their worldview, they tell me. I'm so honoured to know that. Big thanks to all of my listeners. Now, to this week's episode, and I know you're going to love this. It's another haunted house story. Anita is a travel agent from Toowoomba, and she's joining us today to share the story of some very unsettling events that took place in an old Queenslander in Townsville, where Anita moved with her parents and older brother and sister when she was nine years old. These experiences mostly affected Anita's parents, especially her father, who's now 83 and prefers to not speak of what happened. In the end, the family only lasted a year in the home, and you're about to find out why. Hello, Anita, and welcome to The Ghost Files. Hi, Karina. Thanks for having me. It's lovely to have you. Now, let's start with you telling us a little about the house that you and your family moved into when you were only nine years old. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, it was a house in North Queensland and it was, uh, I think it was built around the turn of the century, somewhere sort of late 1800s, early 1900s. It was a two-storey Queenslander with uh, like 12-foot ceilings, timber floors, uh, lots of nooks and crannies, lots of rooms, lots of places to play and have fun, uh, very high-pitched roof. Sounds gorgeous. Yeah, it was lovely. It was a lovely home. I was very excited. I think my mum and dad's bedroom, my parents' bedroom, was to the front left-hand side of the house. And it had one of those like, wraparound verandas that, that, you know, when they built them in to make more space for the family. Oh, so yes. it had a wraparound veranda at the front, uh, which went down the side as well. 
And, yeah, just a really big, lovely old home, high-pitched roof, that sort of thing. Okay. So how did you feel when you first stepped foot inside the home? Um, From memory, I think I was just really excited about that house, you know. From a child's point of view, it was exciting because there was so many places to play. It was an interesting house, you know, all downstairs with dirt to dig and play in the mud underneath the house and um, just all these rooms. There was so much to it. So I was excited. Yeah. And tell us about your family, the number of children and what your parents did. Okay. So there was my mum and dad and the three children. So dad was a truck driver and he used to do a lot of work, you know, um, driving north and he'd come home at all hours of the morning once he'd finished his run. Mum was a stay at home and then she also had a part-time job. Okay. So I had an older sister uh, who was about 15 at the time and my brother, older brother, he would have been about 10, possibly 12, just was closer to age as to my age, that yeah. is. Okay. So so you've moved into this absolutely mm-hmm. gorgeous home, which is exciting, as you said. It's got all the mm. nooks and crannies. And mm-hmm. one, of, one of the first things that your dad decided to do was to repaint the kitchen. Now, mm-hmm. that sounds innocent enough, but you believe he might have unwittingly unleashed <laughs> <laughs> something. Well, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but in those days, you're you're allowed to do minimal renovations to a rental property, and nobody thought anything of it. And so, the first thing that they wanted to do was um, just repaint the kitchen, freshen things up a little bit. And so, as Dad was preparing the kitchen to do the work, he found uh, like a, a mask type thing, which is probably around about the size of a, a tea so- teacup saucer. Okay. So just something about that. And it was hanging above the kitchen from the like the 12-foot ceiling. And so the first thing he did was take that down and now we sort of think, mm, maybe maybe he shouldn't have. Maybe someone put that there for a reason. Mm, oh, so yeah. what, what was it? You said it was a mask. Tell us more about yeah. what this thing was. Well, I, I recently had a chat with him and he's well into his 80s. Yeah. And so I, I went to visit and I had uh, took the internet with me, so to speak, and I was showing him all different things. We talked about it. And I was able to identify with him that it was like an Indonesian war mask or warrior mask and it's designed excuse me to um, connect with the spirit and to ward off evil spirits and so that's what um that's what it was designed for he was actually able to pick out the exact one is that a little bit of a milestone in the story because obviously you've been you know this has been a story in your family for a very long time Mm -hmm. is that sort of a revelation I think so. Yeah. For him, it definitely was. And I think perhaps it made to say more about the residents who were there before us. We were not the only ones to experience anything in the home if people are putting up things to ward off evil or so forth. Yeah. Yes, yes. All right. So Dad mm-hmm. has repainted the kitchen. Now, mm-hmm. what's the next thing you recall that's of note? We had a lot of children in the neighbourhood and so it was normal for us to all play together. And so we were over at our house this day and we were playing hide and seek. And I hid in the bay window, which was in my parents' room. It was usually used, those sorts of things were used for 
like a built-in cupboard around the window yeah. uh, that you would sit on. And yeah. so people would store blankets and all that sort of thing. So I jumped in there. It was empty. And I jumped in there to hide. And I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting for my turn, waiting to be found. And I could hear all movement throughout the house and I could hear that I was the last person that they were looking for. And they came into the room and all the kids came into the room. It was probably about four at that stage. And they came into the room and were calling for me and I started to yell because I, I tried to, because I thought I was found, and I was trying to push the lid of the bay window open, open and I couldn't budge it, not even a centimetre. Not It just would not move. And I thought, oh, they must be sitting on it, you know. Mm. Um, and, and they said they weren't. I was pushing and pushing and pushing, trying to get out, and then I was getting distressed that, you know, that they were teasing me, that they had me locked in there and I was not happy at all. I'm pushing and pushing and pushing and then nothing. And the next thing you know, the lid flew open and the kids are standing there, you know, at least, what, two metres away. Oh, so so these – I know what you're talking about with the cushion mm. on top and the storage underneath. Mm, mm. Usually there's no latch – or anything like that on these things. You just lift it. That's right. So, there's no latch, there's no lock, there's no anything. There's a hinge at the back and they just shut and open. So, so but no matter how much you you pressed on the top, it was not opening. That's nothing. bizarre. You must have been yeah. feeling really panicky. I was. I was, as you can imagine. I'm trapped in this thing and, and I actually thought the children were taunting me more than anything, but no, yeah. I was trapped in it. I couldn't get out. And how yeah. how long had you been living in the house before this happened? Oh, look, I think it was fairly, fairly old. In the piece might have been a month or two okay. at best. So then how did you feel when you were finally freed? <laughs> I was really, um, at first I was really distressed. Yeah. And then uh, a little like, that was weird. I don't understand it. And the next thing, you know, I'm thinking about what's for tea, the kids have gone home, what's for dinner, yeah. I'm going to go to school tomorrow, that sort of thing, because kids move on quickly. Yes. You know, so. And, and actually adults as well when they have these experiences, I've interviewed so many people about these kinds of stories and strange things happen and then they do move on to the next thing. It isn't, mm. you know, like they rush screaming in the middle of the night. That's a that's a rarity <laughs> I found. <laughs> Fair enough, yeah. The escape. But um, yeah. so how, so you didn't really think about how that might have happened that you got trapped in there probably not 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 again for a little until a little while later I, I didn't give it that much thought later on I must confess yeah okay so something happened that night that you couldn't explain though that very night am I right Anita that's correct and I think that's when I started to think maybe there's something connected there. Um, so I'd gone to bed as normal and I, was, I remember waking up during the middle of the night and my bed was opposite my parents. So I could actually see into their bedroom. Yeah. And my bed faced that direction. So the foot of the bed was towards the door. And I woke up during the middle of the night. Um, I can't say what time it was. And... There was the most beautiful woman standing at the end of my bed. Just emanated incredible beauty and peace and serenity. And every time I think of her now, it still fills me with those feelings. I just think so beautiful, overwhelmingly beautiful. Wow, Um, that sounds very special. mm, Can you describe her? Can you remember what she looked like? uh, Yes, Vaguely, so um, 
she was very long, sort of flowing, fair hair. I think everything about her was quite fair. She was wearing something like possibly a nightgown or a white dress, that kind of thing. I, I can't see her features. I can just feel her features. I can just feel like I couldn't see her from, say, mid-thigh or, or knees up because she was at the end. Of, I think cause she's at the end of the bed, but then I don't know. Just peaceful, smiling, and yet I can't distinctly see her features. Okay, I understand. So you sort of felt the smile, fe- mm, felt mm. the peace. And could you feel or see whether she was a younger woman or an older definitely, lady? Definitely younger. Um, I would say mid-20s to, say, 30 maximum. Definitely a younger woman of, of her time, yes. And do you think, could you associate a particular era with her? I still think the same as around about the house. I feel like she's connected with the house, I think, but definitely 1800s, early 1900s. Okay. Definitely. And did she look like a transparent ghost, your traditional kind of ghost vision, or was this more, did she look flesh and blood apart from the fact that you could only see her from the legs up? No, not at all. She was definitely not flesh and blood. She was blue. Oh. Um, Yeah. and glowing. Wow. Um, so like her own so- source of light, if okay. that makes sense. Yes. So she was, the light came from her. Within her, she was the light. Wow. Um, very, not very distinct. Like every line was soft. Mm. I'm, mm. I'm picturing Beautiful. her as you're describing her and it's lovely. I feel like I could listen to you talk about her for ages. <laughs> so that could, feeling yeah. that, and I guess all our listeners are feeling that lovely sense of peace that she emanated, which is amazing. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it really is. And so how long do you think you looked at her for? It wouldn't have been very long. Um, long enough for me to look, gain the sense of what I was feeling and then say, oh, hang on a minute, this is a ghost. This isn't – and so, so I oh. – <laughs> just long enough to absorb that and then realise, and once I realised what I was looking at, everything changed. I just I couldn't believe my eyes. I rolled over and pulled the sheet over my head and just hoped it would all go away. Yeah, so that's really interesting when – when you were in that sleepy, just waking state, you you weren't afraid, but then the human side comes in, doesn't it? The fear. Mm, the, the rational mind yeah. kicked in and everything changed. And so you're quite certain you weren't dreaming. Oh, not, not at all. Oh. Why do you think that you weren't afraid, you know, initially? I can't explain that, Karina. I, I, just, I just wasn't. I, and I, I think maybe... If anything, it was just the emotion that made me, because I felt so good and safe, I I just think it was probably more emotional rather than anything, why I wasn't afraid at first. And did you connect seeing her with what had happened earlier in the day, with the being trapped in in the box? I do now, but I can't recall if I did at the time, but I do now. You do now. Mm. Okay. What What are your thoughts now, today, about that? Well, I, I kind of feel like she was a messenger. I kind of feel like there was a, definitely a, a sense of two forces within the house, mm. a sense of good and a sense of evil. So I feel like she was the 
the good within the house. And I feel like it was a case of you're not alone, it's going to be okay, it's fine. Mm. I think there was a reassuring presence, but definitely there were two elements. Wow, okay. So yeah. she was sort of there as a as a comforting presence to mm-hmm. to maybe buoy you a, a, a ahead of things that were coming. Okay, so while those two experiences that you had that day kind of sum up what you encountered in the house, really. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You eventually found out that your parents had gone through so much more. Mm -hmm. Tell us about when and how you eventually came to learn this. Well, it was probably at least 10 years later. We were sitting around the dining table as a family and I think I mentioned it. I think I brought it up and, and it turned out that my parents had had far more experiences in the house than I had. And, of course, as parents, you don't try and scare the children. You, you, don't, you don't share these things with them. And so I didn't find out until a, a long time later that all these other things had happened. So that's understandable that the parents would try to keep that information from the kids because, you know, you, you don't want to frighten them, especially when you, you're living in the home, of course. That's right. And this might also be a good time while we're talking about your parents, uh, Anita, for you to tell the listeners about your dad because he has experienced psychic phenomena all his life, hasn't he? He has struggled all his life to understand these incidences that have happened to him. It's taken him a very long time to share them. Um, He still doesn't understand them today. I talk to him frequently about it and he still doesn't understand what these experiences were. I remember mm, two years ago, I remember having a conversation with him. Um, We were talking about dreams and sleep, this sort of thing. And he revealed to me that he has left his body at night. He's like he, in his dreams, he's gone places. And I said, Dad, that's astral travelling. What? He had no idea. Um, and he's been doing that for years. Oh, my goodness. So I he, know, Yeah, know. he's very, it sounds like he's naturally gifted in these things and it's just very, yes. comes very naturally to him, which might also, <laughs> sorry, go on. I was going to say, I think it's thrust upon him. I don't think it comes naturally <laughs> to him. I think it's more an unwanted yeah. gift, you might say. But I, I was thinking just then as you were saying that, that, you know, his talents, his psychic talents could be a reason why phenomena manifested in that home as well. Um, what do you have any thoughts on that? I I actually really agree. I find that when he and I together are together, things become more intense. Yeah. So you mean uh, in the in that the paranormal sense? Yes. Events yes. like more chance of strange things happening. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, yeah, I feel that no, I understand what you're saying. I agree, and I think too, I've noticed that when we come together. Uh, for example, if I go and visit and stay for a little while, things just become a little more active. Yeah, in what way? What kind of? Well, for me personally, I can like hear hear uh, hear voices and have very vivid dreams and things like that, and little experiences, you know. So I just find that putting putting it together, putting us together, can sometimes just make things a little bit stronger. But I've not. I, I tend to repel that, yeah. Right. So you're very much like that. your dad. You've inherited mm. what he has, like that sort of natural tendency to, to yeah. I don't know, to see the, like to have the veil a little bit thinner. I think uh, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. But like him, you also really reject it. 
I do because it's it frightens me, so I try to avoid it. Okay. Now he had something really interesting. Before we go back to the house, yes, he had he's he believes his life was saved by I guess we have to call the the being an angel. I guess so. I don't know whether. Well, it has to be an angel because ghosts. Oh, I don't know. But yes, he he was involved in a single car accident, high speed, um, young and foolish, and he rolled the vehicle. He was pulled from the vehicle by somebody who wasn't there when help arrived. Okay, so it was a case of the crash happening, help arriving eventually, and and yes. uh, tell me if uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Anita. I'm just trying to picture it. Yes, and are. he he was saying to the people, "Oh, somebody pulled me out," and they're saying, yes. "Well, there's absolutely nobody here." Yes, correct. And he wasn't in the vehicle. He wasn't in the vehicle. No, he wasn't in the vehicle. He was out of the vehicle on the side of the road when they found him. And I have heard, I mean, he's not the first person to record, like report something extraordinary like that. Mm. It's certainly <laughs> quite the mystery. <laughs> but um, speaking of mysteries, back to the house. So yes. something happened again involving your dad one night when he returned from work late. And as you said, he was a truck driver, so he would come back in the middle mm-hmm. of the night. So um, I was driving home one night and he pulled into the driveway and as he was pulling into the driveway and the, sh- the light shone on the house, there was someone sitting on the roof. Why is someone sitting on the roof at, what, one o'clock in the morning? Um, it's a tin roof. I would be fairly sure that we would know if someone was clambering around on the roof in the middle of the night. And he just drove in parked the truck out the back as normal. He went into the house through the back stairs to the kitchen. He made a cup of coffee, which he normally did. He sat down and he had a conversation with whoever was on the roof and he basically said to them, okay, if you stay up there and we stay down here, everything's going to be fine. We will just get along and everything will be fine. And then he just... So that's really interesting because that shows that as much as he would prefer these events not to happen, he does acknowledge the reality of these these beings of this of this phenomena. That's exactly right. (laughs) So I time my conversations with him about this sort of thing very well because it depends. Sometimes he's receptive and happy to talk about it, and other times he's like, "No, no, no, don't worry about it." I, I think there was probably a perfectly good logical explanation for that. But things continued to happen, didn't they, in the house? They did. They did. One night he came home from work as usual and he walked into the bedroom to go to bed and the whole room was glowing. It was like it was on fire. Um, My mother was asleep in the middle of the bed and the whole room was alight with this light. And he walked into the room and went to bed. (laughs) Again, a similar. I know. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, how did you find out about these things happening? The person on the roof and and this light in the room. Did he tell you? Again, yeah. So this was the conversation where it all started ah, to become it open. All, ah, okay. Years later, so yeah. all this sort of I told my story, and then Dad told something, and Mum told something, and so eventually, 
we had a complete picture of all the events that had happened in the house that all of us had been hiding from each other. Right. And did he, did your dad have any explanation of what, of who the person was firstly on the roof, any theory or what that beautiful, it sounds like it was a lovely light in the room, what that was? No, absolutely none because he didn't want to at those times think about it, let alone try and piece it together and understand it. Okay, so I guess yeah. in that moment that you learnt about it, it was enough to learn about it, to, that Correct. he revealed it, yeah. Yes, absolutely, yeah. And there was another quite spooky event, Anita, with your sister. Oh, yeah, this one actually I find quite frightening. Um, so she was in one of the bedrooms towards the back of the house where all the wet areas were, like laundry, bathroom, that sort of thing, kitchen, and my mum and dad's room again was opposite mine right at the very front of the house and one night um they woke up to my sister asking for a glass of water in in their room and my dad you know got up to get her a drink of water and then walked past her room and she was in bed asleep right so so who was that I don't know who was that. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, my theories vary. I mean, he got up. She she wasn't in the room. He went down that way to investigate, you know, because her and she was in bed asleep. I mean, a fifteen year old doesn't get out of bed, walk past the kitchen, down to mummy and daddy's room to ask for a glass of water. It's not normal behaviour. It's not. No, no. It makes no sense. So I've, I've always thought it was a voice throwing kind of or an imitation. An imitation, um, yeah. yeah, because you, because there was somebody there asking, so there wasn't mm. just a voice. They saw no. your sister or somebody yeah. who, yeah, wow. Yeah, it is It is a spooky one, that one. That, that one is really spooky and, and goes back to my sense of opposing forces within the house. Yes, yes. And speaking of that, mm. the laundry was also a negative space, wasn't it? Yeah, but the laundry itself was on the back veranda. Mum told me that one day she was doing the laundry, she had the basket, she was on the stairs and she felt a hand placed on her back, in the middle of her back, and then a shove. And she went down the stairs, like about three or four steps, like stumbled down the steps. She turned around and no one was there. So she felt a hand on her back shoving oh, her down. Wow. Absolutely. Like a definite placement of the hand in the middle and then a shove. Absolutely. Ooh. Yeah. That would have been very scary. I know. And it sounds like she escaped lightly. Yes. Yeah. She wasn't hurt, yeah. no, which was really good. Yeah. Which was really good. I remember... Um, another time that she was doing the laundry and she was hanging it out underneath the house and uh, she was attacked by a cat. We d didn't have a cat, but this cat came running from somewhere and swiped her on the legs and <laughs> ran again, kept running, so that was a bit weird. That's weird. You didn't have a cat. No, so no. I believe you kept birds down there? We did. There was an aviary down in the back corner um, not too far from the, the clothesline. We had about six budgerigars. One morning we came down and one of them was dead. Another morning we came down and another one was dead. Next morning we came down, another one was dead and then they were all just dead on the bottom of the cage, Gosh. one what, after another. What did you put that down to at the time? At the time we thought disease. Yeah. Um, 
which is a, a rational thought. But when we look at all the other events in the house, we have to wonder. Mm. Um, the same with the cat. And there was another incident where um, I was sitting on the back veranda with my dog, patting my dog, and then he seemed to just go flying in a, in a sudden movement and I caught him before he went off the veranda. And he was a dash hound, so, you know, that, that wouldn't have ended well um, from a two-storey drop. Oh. And I just remember thinking that a lot of these incidences that happened in the house in isolation for example, the birds, mm. could be rationalised. Yes. But when you put it together with the whole story and all the other things in the house, if it was, you know, if it was natural or unnatural, I don't know. Yes, because there's something else that you're about to tell us about, which is quite unsettling. Tell us what happened one afternoon when your mum went to pick you all up from school. Oh, yeah. So the usual run about 3, 3.30 in the afternoon and... Two of us were in primary school and my older sister was in high school. So usually small townish, so it would normally take about half an hour. Anyway, so mum had locked up the house, got in the car, come to pick us up, and we arrived home and we had a bar area down the side, which was part of where the original wraparound veranda had been built in. And typical 70s, you know, had the marble top and the faux leather front with the buttons and all that sort of thing. Yes, I can and picture it. it. <laughs> yeah, and it had been destroyed. Um, it was torn. All the leather at the front had just been ripped in like diagonal strips off the bar, just ripped, and like an animal, like a claw, that sort of thing. Um, of no explanation. There was absolutely no entry into the house. There was no – but my mum called the police – and there was nothing done to the rest of the house. It had just been vandalised while we were gone. No, nothing else was touched. And so years later, yes. again, this this falls into that group of the unsettling events mm-hmm. that, that together form that picture. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Wow, that is, yeah, I can't imagine coming back from school as a little kid and seeing that. That would have been quite <laughs> frightening. no sense, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so here we come to what's, I believe, your favourite story, Anita, and I, I yeah. quite fancy it too, but um, <laughs> tell us what happened on a seemingly typical Saturday afternoon. Okay, so, yeah, just like you said, a seemingly typical Saturday <laughs> afternoon, everyone's about the house and um, there's a knock at the front door. And so it's midsummer, and Dad goes, answers the door, and there's a lady standing there. I'm thinking she's... From his description, about 60 or 70, maybe 60, and she's standing at the front door and she's wearing a long coat, like heavy, long woolen coat with a fur, mink-type collar or, yeah, furry collar on it and a hat, formal hat, and she's dressed very formally. She's wearing gloves. She's got nice shoes, all this sort of thing, extremely overdressed, and she asked... She spoke to my dad and she was looking for a young woman or she's looking for a woman, excuse me. So she'd asked for this woman and dad said he didn't know who she was and so he went down the hall to ask my mother if she knew who the lady at the front door was talking about. Mum said no. He went back to the front door and she was gone. Oh, my goodness. 
So he went downstairs, looked around, because it was just a matter of a couple of seconds. He went downstairs. There's no one in the yard. He went out onto the street. There's no car. We had a long, straight street. There was no car, no car leaving, no one parked. There was nobody. No one was there. And she was dressed very incongruously for the weather and for, and also for the time because did it mm-hmm. look like she was from another era? I'm thinking about 19, maybe 1930, maybe 1940s. Um, from the description your dad gave the of the fashion. Gave, and I can almost see her clearly from his description. Or maybe I even saw her. I see her so clearly. But yes. Did she give any information about who she was and where she was from? Nothing at all. Oh, she did say that she was from Charters Towers. And that's really interesting because Charters Towers, how far is that from where the house was? It's a few hours west. And that is where the house was transported from. It was originally from there. Is that right? That's that's right. So it's an old uh, gold town. So it's an old gold mining town, which was founded in the 1870s. Okay. So the house came from there and it's something that often happens with Queensland as they get transported that style of home, but that mm-hmm. is fascinating that she seems to be out of the past and she's asking for someone, And she, sorry, she's saying that she is from this place where the yes. house is from. Yes. And your dad cannot remember the name of the, the woman no, she was asking for. No. Yeah. I would I would dearly love to investigate the mystery of this house. Mm. I would love to know because I know that, you know, with the gold boom and, and I'm sure it's got a very interesting historical uh, background and I'd love to know what happened and how these people came together, who she is, is she related to the young woman I saw? Yes. Um, what, what is the connection? Why is she there? What is she looking for? I think it would be a fascinating story but unfortunately now that he's into his mid-80s his memory is not what it used to be and he can't remember the name of the person that she was looking for. Wow so it'll just have to remain mystery and that's okay. (laughs) Some things it's okay for some things to remain a mystery I think. Um, So you moved out after 12 months which is pretty short. What reason did your parents give you for the relatively short stay? Oh, they gave us no reason. We were children, of yeah, course, you okay. know, so we just moved as we were told. In later conversations, um, they just didn't want to renew for obvious reasons now. The lease was up and we they just said we're not going to resign, so we left. Yeah. Now, <laughs> three decades later, you bumped into someone, Anita, Someone from the past who shed some I light. Did. Yeah, what okay. happened? So, so it was a young girl that I used to play with from across the road. Coincidentally, she had moved to the city that I now live in and she ended up working for only about two or three weeks at the place that I was working. And I I recognised her and I said, oh, my gosh, it's you. And she said, oh, yes, it is. You know, and we realised who we were. We used to play together and so forth. And I said to her, do you know that, that there was some weird things going on in that house that we were living in? And she said, oh, I'm not surprised because... People always came and went. Nobody ever stayed for long. And very sadly, some years later, um, a gentleman had hung himself, had committed suicide in the house as well. So it's tragic. Mm. Story continues. Gosh. Yeah. And in terms of your story, Anita, since seeing Mm -hmm. the lovely spirit lady in your childhood home, have you seen any other spirits? Yes, I have. I've seen 
two. The first one I saw was in an old bank and there was a theatre in an old bank all in this one building and it was somebody on the stage and I was almost taken in by them. I was staring at them so intently I was entranced and it was hard to break out of that. So, Sorry, Um, what was the context, Anita? What were you doing? I was with a group of young people. There was a bit of a radio station there and there were stories, because it was an old bank, there were stories about how um, the place was haunted and I was very smart and I thought I would go and have a look where this was supposed to be. And um, so up on the stage of the theatre that was attached to it and I was just standing there in the dark looking at this shape on the stage and I just felt like I couldn't snap out of it. And who was that? What was I have that no shape? Idea. I was terrified. I, once, once I did snap out of it with the other people, we left. I just, I don't know. I haven't got a clue. But it was frightening. Mm, okay. Uh, yeah, and that sense of not being able to snap out of it. I didn't like that at all. Right. And then the second one that I saw after that was really just uh, again quite lovely. I'd just woken up. I was in my mid twenties at this stage, and I had just woken up in the middle of the night and to roll over as you do and there was an elderly lady standing in the corner of my bedroom. And you said it felt quite lovely so she mustn't have been a a frightening spirit or presence. I wasn't afraid of her but I I just, you know, when you see something like that, you still get a a fear, you still get a fright. Right. And um, so I was frightened but yet not frightened if that makes any sense. Yes, and did you do the same thing you did when you were little and put the sheet over your head and go back to sleep? Of course. <laughs> of course. Oh, my gosh. So you don't know who she was. Do you think she might have no. been someone in your family? I feel like I'm, I'm hoping it was my grandma. Mm. I, she raised me in part when in my early days and um, I, I, I hope it was her. Okay. That's all I can say, yeah, yeah. I hope. Okay, I was just going to say, do you think the lady who came knocking at the door might have been a relative but... I, I yeah. almost wonder if it's the same person. Wow, I don't know. Yeah. I imagine if it was. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. And, and what about this recent development? Oh, okay. So after we last spoke, I decided to open myself up a little bit more and just to see where it could, could take me because I, I did some research and I thought about a few things and my fear was all-encompassing and rejecting and I just thought maybe not and... Maybe I could try this and just see where it goes. I think I've been able to sort of just reopen up a little bit. Gosh, that's a big development. It is. I was just laying in bed the other night and I felt somebody uh, sitting on the bed beside me. I rolled over to touch her and she disappeared. You know it was Um, a woman. I was a girl, um, three years old maybe. Oh. Three or four maybe. Just sitting cross-legged on the bed beside me. You saw her. Um, mm -hmm. And I reached out to touch her and normally I I would shy away. She disappeared and we all got frightened. That was over. You think she got a fright too? Yes, yes, we both did. That's really interesting. That when that happens, I just, you know, you think of films like The Others starring Nicole Kidman. It's yes. that who's haunting who scenario, which is, just <laughs> yes. fries the brain. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. We both got a fright. And... Oh, gosh. So where to from here for you then? Well, I'm thinking, I'm thinking I have to see where it goes. If it becomes too much, then I'll probably back down again and I'll close off to it. But I'm thinking I just might see where it goes for now. 
Oh, well, do keep us posted, Anita. I will. That's, that's I will. breaking news. I love it. it Thank you. <laughs> you heard it live here first. <laughs> yes. Well, to finish up, what can an yes. experience with the dead teach us about living? Well, I can only speak from my own experience and from my own theories. I feel like we don't die, our spirits don't die. We go on, we live on and on, over and over. And I feel like the important message is that we have to make peace with our experiences and our relationships here on earth in this lifetime before we can go to another and expect that it's going to be an easy transition and expect that we're going to be happy. So I think it's important to make peace with that person who wronged you as much as you can so that you can go into the next lifetime in peace. I think that's what it's about. Oh, that's so valuable. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's, um, that's, okay. that's wonderful. And thank you for sharing your stories with us today. You're welcome. Thank you very much, Anita, for coming on The Ghost Files. <laughs> Thanks, Karina. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Ghost Files. If you have a story that you'd like to share with me, I'd love to hear it. Please email me at karinamachado at optusnet.com.au. Thank you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.